Welcome, Rich. We're here for another episode of this Sports Card Insights podcast. The episode today is on then and now, the National Sports Collectors Convention. I was at the very first one. I've been to every one. You've been to almost all of them. But we've seen the evolution of an idea. I remember when it was, I remember talking to to Gavin Riley and Steve Bruner and Mike Berkus when this was their idea. And they pitched it to me. I remember in, in my very first price guide, we gave them a complimentary ad to promote this concept. And it was successful and was off to the races. So you've been to how many? I've been to probably about 33, 34, 35. I, out of 40? Out of, this will be, 41? this is actually 18, 1980 to 2019. So this is technically the 40th national. Okay. So I've probably been to about 85, 85% of them. And you've, you've been able to go to every one, which, is, which is very rare. There aren't very many people there's who, a handful. There's a handful. There's only three dealers left that, are, that right. have had officially tables. My contemporaries, yeah. Your contemporaries, John Ramirez, B.A. Murray, and Pat Quinn are the yep, only yep. three yep. who are listed as table holders at the very first show and still table holders today. Which I think is really cool. I'm glad we have that continuity, and I hope that... Uh, <laughs> that I'm there for a long time and that those guys are too. It's always good to catch up with those guys. I've had various dealings with each one of them pleasantly for, for so many years. So. I always feel good. You know, with John and BA are usually next to each other. Yeah. So I always know that at the beginning of a day, I can just hang out there for a few minutes, go go chat with John behind the table or chat with BA. and You realize each one of them has the same stuff each year, I think. But that's okay. I find something it's, at their... I'm saying. I find something at their tables every year anyway. They have their, they have their approach. And the amazing thing... Well, BA, the amazing thing is he has non-overlapping inventory in many cases from anybody else in the room. And so does John Ramirez. But John Ramirez, the amazing thing about his... Those are duplicates. He brings all this obscure stuff, and it's his, it's his, uh, it's his duplicate stuff, and he collects color variations and uh, just a master collector. Well, John and Quinn is a whole other story. He was he was in it as a business before it was cool to have it as a business. He had an auction, he had a store, and again, his auction was yeah cool, and his store was amazing. You know, and I, I send people the John. Each year, because he has all of that cool Venezuelan stuff, because yes. he actually made buying trips to he Venezuela. Made buying trips down there, and so he's got With all that. Chico, cool... Chico Carascal. Yes, and he's got all that stuff. And I'll send yeah. people. By the way, go buy some twins cards from John. <laughs> oh, are you sure? Yeah, you, you'll want them. Don't even worry about the price. I'll just tell him to take care of you. Okay, done. <clears throat> and so John's cool. Ba's got all this oddball stuff, and you're right. A lot of the stuff he has. You won't find the rest of the show. Well, the whole thing about doing price guides that is uh, the easy part is when a card is, uh, uh, which I think is positive. It's it's made uh, collectors not quite as reliant on price guides, or certainly not as reliant on price guides. But price guides are still of value, but they're guides. So and they they always have and they always will be, and they're 
And unless it's the Beckett OPG, which gets updated basically on a daily basis. I mean, obviously, Brian and his staff can't do, you know, millions of cards every day. But if it's a somewhat popular card, it's going to get updated fairly frequently. So there's a lot to be said for the immediacy of the OPG. And some people say, well, I can look up completed prices on eBay or I can look at this source or I can look at. I can look at Com C and see what stuff is sold for on Com C, or and I can look here. Yeah, but the wise dealer, wise collector, is probably doing all the above. Yes, because I think it's there. You're getting more data points, and uh, some of them are more p- empirical, and some of them are more opinion. But and some of them, even the the ones that appear to be empirical, that you sometimes have to take some of the sales with a grain of salt. But nevertheless, that's what it is. And then you have to make your own decision of, am I willing to, is this, is this price that I saw on eBay, is that representative or is that a fluke? Is that two guys that got into a bidding war that bid it way beyond what it's worth or, or whatever? So context is important. And we tried to do that back in the day. Uh, and I know the the current regime tries as well, but it's 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 challenging. Right, and that's one of the changes. As I said, everybody has access to more information. Another change with the national then and now, corporate booths. There really weren't corporate booths in 1980. There were, you know, I I think the first corporate booth I ever remember was uh, whatever company became Score. The print uh, they did sports flicks. They had a booth at the 86 national. They were really the first corporate booth and it kept exploding and exploding and exploding and now you go to the national some people go to the national buy cards other people go to the national so they can talk to or get the goodies from the corporates right. Right. other people go to the national because jeff rosenberg and Brings bobby mintz and ton th- of great they, they bring in a ton of great autograph guests and hey i'm going to spend my time in the autograph pavilion and get get well get- it's it's become a microcosm you know a small version of the of the big picture that people can come in there, walk in the room with X dollars, and there are many different ways to completely drain those X dollars. And so if you walk around the room, which takes a while anyway, to figure out how I want to spend the money, if, if you really have a budget and you're going to spend it, it's hard to get around to see every table because if you did that, by the time you got to the end and checked off, you'd want to go back to that first table for that really good deal, and that really good deal was gone Wednesday night. Well, we, we because have, it was a good deal, and so you've got to know what you're going to spend, what you're looking for, and prioritize. As, and that's that's well, hard. One of my better local customers is going to the national for the first time. His girlfriend's very supportive of the hobby. She says, "Out of all things, you can spend money on." I see you're having fun with it. I see you're making some money on what you're buying and selling. I see you're having, you know, it's a good thing for you. And I told him when I saw him, you know, make sure whatever you think you're bringing to the national double. And he says, well, I'm going to bring five times. He said, after I went through Kyle Robertson's big Frisco show and I saw what was there, he says, I'm bringing five times what I originally planned. And, you know, one thing I stressed to him is that if you see something you know, he collects, he, you know, he, he's looking to buy and sell stuff, but he's also a Bagwell and Biggio collector. So if you see the 88 score update glossy Biggio in a PSA 9 or a Beckett 9.5 or some high grade and the price is really good and it's the glossy, which is a really tough card, he's just going to buy that because it's a good deal. But if it's a $2 Jeff Bagwell jersey card, he can pass on that 
and then just come back, okay, I'll sit down the third day and see if there's any left at this table. You know, and that's one, and, and that's what you're saying is that one of the rules of thumb for the national is that if it's a really good deal and it's a really tough item, don't even hesitate, just buy it when you see it. Well, since the, from the very beginning, from the very first year in 1980, it was always a very special event. But over the years, especially as we got into the 90s, it became a must-attend event and a, not a, a, certainly the, the, the key uh, show event of the year. And now you're going to see stuff there that you, haven't, that you won't see anywhere else. You know. And you you've you've got to strike when you can, or or you're not going to wait to find something at a local show. You may find something on uh, online, but to be able to see it, touch it, and be able to walk away with it, there's a there, there's a real value there. No. And that's always been there, but it's even with all the online activity, there's still an aspect of being there, being with your Brother, mainly brothers, but also... Oh, by the way, there's some people listening to this podcast that are going to write in and wonder if your friend's wife has some sisters. You know what? I'll, I because will ask him. they're looking for women like that that are going to be very understanding. So, And the 5X, if the wife likes that, that's even higher marks for that. Yes. So, so, but, one we'll of the thing, but one of the things is, in addition, like my employer, ComC, last year... You know, we, we keep track of, let's say, how many boxes of st- right. stuff we've... Last year, we shattered the amount of cards we'd ever shipped back before from a national. We shipped 37 boxes of, you know, moving boxes of stuff back to, to Redmond, Washington. You're not talking about 800 counts. I'm not talking about 800 count boxes. I'm talking about, you know, you go to Home Depot or Lowe's and you buy moving boxes. The ones that the movers use to move stuff in. And we sent 37 back to the home. And, you know, because for everybody, there's a coterie of people who will go to the National and sit at dealers' tables and buy stuff to send to ComC. And since ComC's there, it's like, okay, hey, no I don't shipping. have... No shipping. No yeah. shipping, yay. I can just go through it once and give it to them and know it's going to get there. Well, I've enjoyed being a customer of ComC. I've been for quite a while now, and it's a lot of fun to be able to... Buy and sell somewhat anonymously and with, uh, again, there's no, the, the price can be, you can make an offer. On the other hand, you, people are free to put whatever price they want on there. And so you decide if you want it or you don't, and people can decide if they want your card or they don't. And uh, like I said, I really think it's cool that people that have extra cards can put, can give other people who want those cards an opportunity right. to get them at a reasonable price with reliable and excellent shipping. And so I, I, I've been pleased with that. But again, at the National, they're one of many. <laughs> best of both worlds because they're there as well as all the others. One of many. And I mean, so Tops is yeah. there, Upper Deck is there, Panini's there, all the card companies are there. I, I should mention Leaf, they're also local. Yeah. You know, Beckett's there, PSA's there, SGC's there, all the great major grading companies are there. Well, what about the Breaking Pavilion? The Do Breaking Pavilion's really... positive I, development? I, I'm a, I was a big fan of Breaking when I first heard the concept, and I still am. Because in many cases, it gives people chances to get cards of teams they Well, they're want. likely to get cards they want, 
and not have to worry about the cards they don't want. And, the, and they can pay a, a slight premium for that. I, I believe it's a slight premium. It is. It's a business that has to work. You do the math, but it's... it's um, Break, breaker and some of these cases are very expensive. Right, and the breakers make money because, and that's okay. And as you said, you pay a little more, and that's okay. But you're getting what you want, and... Otherwise, if you don't have that, it's hard to be a collector if you have to buy stuff you don't want. That forces you to be a collector and a dealer. And a lot of people buy and sell, but you want to be mainly acquiring, excuse me, acquiring things that you want and having less of stuff that you don't want that you can trade or sell or and what, one otherwise. Of, one of my former teammates at Beckett, Mike Jasperson, now yeah. has Jaspie's wow. case breaks. Absolutely. And, you know, there was a guy, one, the other half of Fat Packs, Paul, I forget his last name, I believe Went was his last name. He's in Washahatchee now about an hour from here, and he he's a 24-7 breaker is the name of he his He has company. a store and a, and a breaking yeah. platform? Yeah, it's a small one. store. And I think, he remember, one of the things about Having retail establishments is some of the card companies want you to be brick and mortar. So they'll give you stuff. So they give you or stuff. Or they'll sell you stuff. So they'll sell you stuff. So that's actually helped cause an uptick of stores, which is actually good for the hobby. Plus it, you get feedback. You have real people telling, giving you real feedback, and sometimes online is not as real. But, um, but the national, again, if no one has been, if, if someone listening has not been, it's frequently in Chicago, which is in the middle of the country. It it's, has not been on the West Coast, which I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm not, I'm not the decision maker there, but I always had a great time on the West Coast. But it's occasionally on the East Coast, uh, but mostly in the Midwest. And uh, Chicago is pretty easy to get to if you're willing to jump on a plane. And I will be there. And I will tell you, one, one of the great things with Chicago is you can walk to so many things from the Rosemont Convention, from the Stevens Convention Center in Rosemont. There's so much hotels nearby. There's so many restaurants nearby. You are not exactly missing chances to have fun. You don't have to drive around like you do in Cleveland. But you don't even need to rent a car. You, you don't know, even need to rent a car. Save there too, and and it's so close to the airport. So I, it's a it's a great location and for I, a show. And I think we discovered last year that Chicago every other year is probably a very good idea, and like rotate cities like Cleveland every four years seems to work well, and then maybe rotate if you can find you know Atlantic City for the East Coast. If you can somehow get Anaheim, Anaheim. If there's other. Well, there's, uh, these decisions are made by a vote of the dealers. Right. There's, a, there's a, a committee that gets elected that makes some of the decisions, but ultimately it's put, I think those things are put to a vote of, they, for the table. And they are. And, and, you who know, have priorities and, and uh, you know, ability to, to, to be represented and, and to make these decisions. So uh, it got so huge for some of the years. It's actually shrunk back a little bit. Uh, or, or pared down a little bit to make it more manageable. It just I don't remember and how many years ago it was. It was so big. You, everybody you got lost. I, I remember and, and was, I remember going through one of the rooms at the National and it took me two days. And I'm thinking, wow, what a show this was. Rich, there's another room the same size. <laughs> oh no. Okay. And then I trudged up for another two days, and that I was literally drained. And one of the, you know... Drained in a good way. Drained in a good way. And the thing with the National, if you haven't been there for a long time, the only downer, and it's not really a downer because it's how the world has changed, is we used to have 
seminars at the National. We used to have a state of the hobby roundtable. We used to have flipping contests and trivia contests and softball and things like that. Now the National is more purely buying, selling, trading, more of a business. And that's how it evolved. It doesn't mean that it's bad or good. It just is how it's evolved. And hopefully, maybe someday we can go back to have at least one show with the roots where we can actually have other things in addition to everybody. We've got some wonderful sponsors for this show. Beckett Media, ComC, a couple of companies that do data very well. BGS and BAS included in that. A couple of great card shops, Burbank Sports Cards and Mike's Stadium Sports Cards in California and Colorado, respectively. Two outstanding auction companies, Heritage, as well as Huggins and Scott. And three major card companies, Panini, Tops, and Upper Deck. Please patronize our sponsors. They're good companies and worthy of your consideration. It's been 